Welcome to the Nothing But Nets podcast, a Clutch Points podcast about the Brooklyn Nets. I'm your host, Dave Early. This is our debut episode, so hopefully uh, you guys enjoy. It's a weekly pod. Today we have a guest who's a friend of mine, longtime friend of mine, hopefully going to be a recurring guest. You're joined by Greg Dennis. Greg is a NBA diehard. He's a basketball fan. He's a basketball pickup connoisseur. Uh, he loves to play. He loves focusing on the Brooklyn Nets, the New York Knicks, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Atlantic Division in general. Uh, and I would say an expert in terms of fans are concerned. How are you doing, Greg? Dave, thanks for the kind intro. It's an honor to be here for your debut episode. And um, that is exactly right. Uh, I am uh, East Coast, born and bred, and uh, have followed the Nets from afar as well as close for quite some time. So looking forward to diving in here. What, what would you say comes to mind first when I say the Nets? What teams do you think of? You know, I was I, I grew up in the '90s, so I have uh, fond memories of the um, Kenny Anderson, Derek Coleman, Drazen Petrovic teams. Okay, so you go um, way back. Although I go way back, I know those teams were never true contenders, but um, they were they were the kind of first first time that the Nets seemed really relevant. Um, and then of course you had the, uh, Stefan Marbury kind of, you know, when he was traded, uh, from Minnesota to Jersey, it seemed like that was going to be the start of something. They turned that into Jason Kidd and, and that was really, you know, he's really the guy to put the nets on the board. So I would say those three iterations of the nets are kind of where my mind goes. I like that. I like that. Yeah, I like that you took it back. A lot of people would have started with the kid, like you said, put him on the map. But going back to the Kenny Anderson days, um, that shows that shows you've got real roots here with this team. So speaking of, the team moved to Brooklyn, and there was a battle of the Burroughs on Wednesday night. The Nets defeated the New York Knicks by two points, 112 to 110 but their superstars basically had to play spoiler at a home game. So it was kind of, I, I, is it fair to say it was divided the audience or did it sound to you like it was mostly a Knicks crowd? What was your take on that game? Um, you know, it seemed like it was either 60, 40 or 50, 50, pretty close. Um, certainly, you know, the Knicks fans were out in full, full effect. There's no, there's no doubt about that. But, you know, the, the Nets were well represented as well. Um, you know, it was a great regular season game. No question about that. You know, you hear a lot of these guys downplaying the rivalry uh, on both sides. And I think that's fair. But you could certainly feel the energy uh, last night. You could feel the energy. I know there's a little bit of like lighthearted trash talk going back to last year. Uh, with the big 15, you know, they asked the Knicks, they have a big three. What do you guys have with big 15? And I think Kevin Durant made a joke about that at one point. Um, but it's, it's been all love ever since. Um, I think Julius Randle called KD the best player on the planet recently. When Evan Fournier tied the game with a three-pointer with like 17 seconds, 
it was an incredible sound to hear. Uh, it was like a mixture of Knicks fans cheering and then maybe like shock and awe on the, the Nets fans. Um, it just felt like there was this very rare moment where the where Barclay Center was just kind of nuts. Uh, it was an electric environment. Steve Nash was hesitant to call it like a full-on rivalry. He said, you got to have some playoff battles. You know he means it because he's you think of him with like his broken nose or his stitched up eye against the Spurs. So, but do you think this has like the elements of a budding rivalry and how lucky would we be if they met in the playoffs? Well, I think it certainly does. And I think if you, if you go back to kind of the summer of 2019, where, you know, Kyrie and KD had been rumored for basically an entire year to be uh, headed to the Knicks, right? And then they kind of pivot, and before you know it, they're both headed to Brooklyn. So to me, that that kind of is, um, you know, at the root of whatever rivalry there there is or will be. Um, and then, you know, the Knicks, the Knicks are, are, are a good team. So you have those two things. And um, it, it creates a dynamic where, you know, the Knicks are, are obviously the first team in the city, but uh, the, the two superstars chose the Nets. So from that perspective, um, you know, this, this is a rivalry in, in my eyes. And I think also in, in Knicks fans' eyes as well. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um... I didn't, I didn't prepare you for this question, but it just occurred to me. Stephen A. Smith on his show, First Take on ESPN, who is an openly a Knicks fan, uh, basically said Kevin Durant should regret his decision to go to the Nets. Kyrie Irving has betrayed him. What, what do you think of that? Do you think there's any chance that KD regrets going to the Nets because of where things are at, Kyrie's unavailable to play, um, or for any reason? I don't. Uh, I think KD is in a great situation. Um, he's playing as well as he ever has in his career. Um, he has his own team. Uh, he has a coach, which, you know, many people speculate is there in large part because of his relationship with KD. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I think he's uh, in, in a great situation. I mean, if... Um, if his two co-stars don't both go down with injuries last year, I think most people would agree that we're talking about this season as them defending a title. So, you know, I, I think um, if he had to do it over again, uh, he would do, he would not do anything differently. Do you, would you agree with that assessment? It's hard to, to listen to him this season and think that any there's any part of him that regrets what he, what his decision was, regardless of how things have shook out. Like obviously he didn't predict a global pandemic and that Kyrie would opt not to play due to local vaccine mandates. No one did. So I think it's easier to like live with the decision if there was no way you could have seen something like that coming. Uh, and that's that's just taking for granted the fact that. There's nothing really bad about their situation right now. I mean, a lot of people might even have them pegged as finals favorites. They're in first place in the East. 
like amazingly, amazingly, we could realistically have a conversation of whether or not he's better now than he was before his Achilles surgery, which is just nuts. I don't think that that is uh, a crazy thing to say. Um, it's hard, you know, it'd, it'd be hard to make a case that he has ever played better than he has going back to last year's playoffs and uh, this, and, you know, the first uh, quarter of this season. Um, if not for Steph Curry, I think he'd be the clear MVP favorite. I think um, you hear more of his peers um, refer to him as the best player on the planet. Do you, yeah, do you is, agree with them? Uh, it, it, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to disagree with that right now. I mean, um, you know, you, you know, you don't, you don't want to take anything away from Giannis because he's, um, coming off a championship and, you know, pretty much doing the same thing he was, but, you know, Durant, um, the reality is, I mean, he, he almost, uh, put, put the bucks away last year, um, by himself. So, I would probably, yeah. I mean, I would, I would not put anyone ahead of Durant currently. I think, I think if I don't, I just don't think there's a reasonable case to put anyone ahead of them. <laughs> no, there's no reasonable case. <laughs> we could make an unreasonable one, though. Right. Not- I mean, for one game, if you wanted to tell me for one game, you'd rather have LeBron just because of the way he can kind of impose his will on on, on the game and his, his passing ability and just sort of his, you know, overall impact on the game, that's fine. But certainly over a full season um, and for, for a series, I think that, you know, you look at the attrition, the minutes, the years, and um, as you alluded to, KD is, is, um, has not missed a beat. So, you know, I think at the moment, KD is probably the guy but um, a lot can change over, over the next six months. I, yeah, I actually think that KD's case becomes even stronger if you narrow it down to one game. I mean, you, you might be able to. A lot of people right now are talking about should he be load managed. I mean, this team was extremely protective about his minutes a season ago. I think he only played in half of the regular season games. And granted, it was his first full season back from the Achilles surgery. But he's playing now his most minutes since 2015, 2016. I think he's playing, he's like up over 35.6 minutes per game. He's only missed one with a banged shoulder. Um, and that was like, they, they found an opportunity to buy him four full days rest. But it wasn't like these formulaic skip the second of a back-to-back game like he did last year, like him and Blake Griffin would do routinely last year. They're just kind of saying go full throttle with him. So if you had to make the case that maybe someone like Giannis is better built for a hundred games right now, I'd hear you out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't flat out reject you. He's uh he's an MVP candidate and he's a defense player of the year candidate, but for my money, I, I think Kevin Durant's the best player in the world right now. And that would include LeBron and Giannis. As I said, I, I don't, I don't feel I have a strong enough case to, to, um, go against you so let's you know K, kd as i said you know mo- most of most you're, you're hearing more and more guys kind of proclaim that 
I mean, even Giannis, I think after the Bucks uh, eliminated the Nets, basically said as much that uh, he he viewed Durant as the best player in the world. So they all they're all tipping cap to, K- to KD, <laughs> the true the true king of Kings County. Right, <laughs> right. Um, so what do you what do you make of that? Like I was talking a little bit about it with the load management. Do you think so? Here here was a quote from Steve Nash before they play the Knicks. Uh, talking about the the amount of minutes he's logged so far. Yeah, I mean, it's not ideal to have such a burden on KD, but I don't know what options we have other than to play him less and lose more, (laughs) which is at once obvious, but also kind of hilarious that he's so blunt. Yeah, I mean, I think think he's being pretty transparent there in that it's not ideal, right? I mean, of course, you know, they would prefer to probably play Durant less, but the situation they're in right now, obviously Joe Harris is down, Kyrie is out, uh, <clears throat> Harden's been kind of working his way back in. So, you know, they're, they're kind of looking at it as Durant's playing great, he's healthy, um, we're going to kind of lean on him here. Um, I, I think that in a perfect world, they, they would, you know, be much more inclined to load manage, but, you know, you also don't know how much of it is, um, coming from Durant, right? I mean, he's right in the thick of the MVP race. He, uh, you think he, he missed wants an that? entire, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, he, he, um, was, not that he was counted out, but I mean, he missed the season in his prime. Um, and, and here he is, you know, back on top of the, on top of the world. And I'm sure, I'm sure he's pushing to play as much as possible. So, you know, reading between the lines from what Nash is saying, I think it's a combination of all these things. And um, it's just hard to arrest the guy who's clicking on all cylinders like this. Now, do you think, I haven't formed this question in my mind yet, so I'm going to do it on the fly. Bear with me. Do you think them pushing Durant and to some extent James Harden, um, because he came in rehabbing hamstring all summer, we'll get to that shortly, but do you think it's possible that the amount of minutes the Nets are playing this team is in some ways an understanding of their own vulnerability? So what I mean by that is basically a year ago, they didn't seem to mind at all resting a guy like Durant for a full game or minutes with any game um, or Kyrie Irving or James Harden on any given night, if they weren't a hundred percent right. And they also were pretty formulaic in terms of watching how much they played. I remember one moment in a game in Philadelphia where they were down trailing double digits. All of a sudden they make it like a three point game with two to go and Kyrie, who had been benched to clear the bench for the reserves, never returned to that game. So they last year were basically saying, we don't care about home court advantage. We don't care how many wins we get. We only care about how healthy we are in April and May. Whereas this team is kind of saying, yeah, we kind of do care about regular season and standings and maybe home court. Do you think that's fair? Because no Kyrie. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, you look at it, you kind of zoom out and, um, 
this is this is now year three of the KB and Kyrie uh, version of this team. And, you know, you, KD misses the first year. Uh, last year, everything's lining up. And as you mentioned, they're resting guys all year, but it doesn't really matter because they're, they're not healthy when it matters. So, you know, it, it's fair to wonder if this year they're just taking a different approach where they're saying, okay, you know, there's no guarantees we're going to be healthy in April and May. Let's, let's go pedal to the metal and, and try and win as many games as we can while we have our guys. Uh, let's get home court advantage. You know, the, the Bucks have had their issues with health. Um, Miami, you know, they now, you, you heard today, uh, Bam Adebayo is going to be out. Uh, the Sixers, there's issues there. So, so maybe they're saying, hey, you know, let, let's, let's push it. Let's try and get that one seed. There's, you know, who, who, who knows what the future will bring as far as Kyrie could come back. Um, there's a, there's a million different possibilities, right? But, but it does seem as though they're, they're kind of valuing the regular season more. I would agree. Yeah. I think they feel we don't have the luxury to say, Hey, I don't care if we're a seven seed. I don't care if we're an eight seed. As long as we have our stars available, I think now they're thinking it kind of matters. And so, you know, the, the middle class in the East is stronger. I mean, the window is open. For example, there's no one who's just running away with this in the East. It's not like the Bucks are headed for 60 wins. It's not like the Heat, who we might have thought um, were going to be the one seed at one point earlier in the year. You know, they've got their vulnerabilities. The Atlanta Hawks have been slow. You mentioned the Sixers have their problems. Um, so on the one hand, the door is kind of open for a lot of these teams. And on the other, it's the nets are probably not quite as sharp as you would have expected. I think James Harden has struggled through 21 games. Um, obviously you expected Kyrie at the beginning. Now, Joe Harris is going to be out for at least a month, maybe two with surgery to his ankle. Blake Griffin's out of the rotation entirely. I mean, he was instrumental in them playing some good defense against the Bucks in the playoffs last season. And now LaMarcus Aldridge has basically taken his lunch um, yet. Yeah, so, so what place. do you make of that? I'm, I'm, I mean, if, if I can, if I can interrupt you for a sec, I mean, yeah, Blake, anytime. Blake this season, you know, I mean, let's face it. He, he, he looks, he looks completely, he looks pretty washed last year. Um, I think he was a pleasant surprise. He contributed. He, he actually, did an admirable job on Giannis in, in that series. And this year, um, you know, I think he's shooting like 17% from three. He, yeah, he just, not even, he just, uh, not even, right. I mean, he, he just looks like a guy whose um, best days are, are, are far behind him. Um, what, what, what do you make of that? Do you think, do you think that um, he can get back into the rotation or do you think that, uh, Nash has has accepted that the team may need to move on. <laughs> That's a good question. I do not think they have the luxury to just move on. Um, you know, Nick Claxton hasn't played since October 25th, non-COVID illness. The, the team's been pretty vague on what, what's going on there. Um, you can speculate. I don't know what, what would cause him to miss so much time and to now need two weeks to ramp up conditioning. Paul Millsap needed time with personal reasons 
So even if they think that he's cooked, and I'm not going to go that far, I would agree with you that his best days are way behind him, but he wasn't amazing and still very helpful last year in the playoffs. It's hard for me to say, like, he's just completely washed from that point that he couldn't return. He seems like one of those, one of those guys who has the athleticism to have the body to still be helpful. He knows the game really well. He's a unselfish player. All he would really need to do was to get his jump shot going. And I don't know if there's something going on there with his jumper. I don't know if maybe one of his old, you know, war injuries in his knee has been acting up or something we're not knowing. He did have some like kind of, you know, not ideal body language in a game recently before getting benched. So I'm not sure what page he's on or how the team sees him. I do think the team has been so limited in terms of helpful role players that they're going to have to turn to him at some point. And I wouldn't be surprised if he got back to where he was at, at least in the playoffs last year. Yeah. But, I, mean, I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge never misses. So does it even matter? Just put him out there. He's, I mean, he's, he's incredible. His, his mid range shot is just, uh, absolutely money. Every time he shoots it, I expect it to go in. Um, I know that you are a, a, uh, shooting connoisseur (laughs) um his his jump shot you know it doesn't always look like it should be automatic but um he's he's incredible with that pick and pop mid-range game yeah he when you say stretch big you think of a guy who's shooting threes like al horford he he does technically stretch the floor as a big because you watch defenders decide okay do i go out and contest that but then i'm leaving the paint wide open for Harden and kd i i really just have to fall on the sword and live with him taking another 20 footer and man he's like literally top 10 in field goal percentage this season with a pile of names who only dunk and yeah and you can see i mean kd you know he's looking for him he's trusting him uh he's coming off those picks a lot of times and um, you know, if, if the defense is cheating or shading to one side, he, he has zero hesitation swinging it to LaMarcus for, for an open, uh, 20 footer and it's, it's money every time. Yeah. He's one of like, forget how many 45 players to crack 20 K total points. He did it this year. Um, to, to look at that from where he came, where they thought he was retiring due to the irregular heartbeat. It's a pretty good story. Um, I never ever expected him to play as well as he has the other the other element of that is when the golden state warriors came to town he was playing so well he never missed a mid-range shot but he only got nine minutes so clearly steve nash thinks he's not the ideal you know he likes to play drop coverage on defense and that might free up a guy like steph curry too much so they are thinking in terms of matchups they don't just play someone 29 minutes no matter who comes to town and it, it does seem like maybe aldridge isn't in the plans no matter who the opponent is yeah i i, I would agree i think um aldridge has a role i think he's happy to have it um and he will he will probably be a hall of famer when all when all is said and done i mean you mentioned his numbers twenty thousand points i mean it's 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 it doesn't seem like you know he's he's a shoeing hall of famer, but I think when all is said and done, he probably will be. 
yeah, that's a good, that's an interesting point. Um, they, when you look at this team, they have a few of those, right? Like Blake Griffin might have a case as well. Oh, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. They they might have, they might have. Uh, you know, if you, if you include Kyrie, right, then you might be looking. You might be talking about five Hall of Famers plus the coach. Yep, plus All the right. coach. That's right. So, so let's see, Lamarcus Aldridge and Kevin Durant just like haven't missed this year. They're I think they're both top fifteen in field goal percentage. Patty Mills and Joe Harris are leading the league in three-point percentage. Is there going to be a, a drop-off point? Is it the Wilson ball? Is it just they're so scorched earth? You wonder, like, can they maintain being in first place if they see any shooting regression, come back down to earth? Uh, no, I, I don't – I mean, I see no reason why they can't keep it up. Um, I, I knew Patty Mills was a good shooter, um, but I don't think I quite – fully comprehended <laughs> the how quick his release <laughs> how quick his release was um the the different array of ways he could get the shot off just you know coming off screen spotting up the way he has zero hesitation i mean full sprint and you know to the baseline full sprint he, he he's incredible yeah he, he's incredible I mean, Joe Harris is an established uh, elite marksman. Obviously, KD, we know we know about him. So yeah, I mean, I I see no reason why they couldn't why they couldn't keep this up. I think that their their identity is one of the it, probably the best shooting team in the league. I I, I expect that to continue. And um, you know, Harden hasn't even really got cooking yet so you know there, there there's no reason they can't keep it up yeah that's a good segue um we got to talk about harden harden he so he comes in this off season with having rehabbed the grade two hamstring injury that started last march he aggravated it once he aggravated it in the playoffs like the first minute of the first game in round two and he actually pushed through that series in hindsight, I'm wondering if maybe he should not have. And then the season begins and you realize, okay, so I'm not sure where he's at in terms of his conditioning. And then the refs are really like, I think at one point, Steve Nash joked, he's the poster boy for the new non-basketball rules. Uh, and then the most recent element of all of this was he was asked, you know, cause he's, he's getting so many assists, but he hasn't, had those James Harden scoring games as often as we would have guessed. And so someone asked him with Kyrie Irving out of the fold, are you still figuring out your role? And he admitted, yes, uh, you know, I'm figuring out on the fly when to shoot, when to pass, when to play, make, when to do a little bit of everything. He, he said, I'm just trying to figure it out. It's been a little difficult, especially since well, whatever, but it's been a little difficult, but I'm trying to figure it out. Make up your own mind on that. Well, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to see that as a reference towards uh, Kyrie Irving's absence. But, um, you know, watching Harden this year, I, I don't think anyone could say it's one thing. I think it's, I think it's very possible that he has lost a fifth of a step, a quarter of a step, a half a step, whatever, whatever you want to say. I mean, it's, it's not unreasonable 
to say that a guy in his, um, you know, 12th, 13th season who, you know, has, uh, whose habits have been questioned may have lost a a slight, slight burst. Um, But I think also, you know, you watched the game last night against the Knicks. He's clearly locked in. He's engaged. Um, he understands it's, it's a national TV game. He, he's, um, you know, he, he's just, he's just excited about it. And he looks, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing flashes of, of the James Harden that, you know, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried if I'm a Nets fan about Harden. I, I think even 90%, 85% of the James Harden we've seen over the last five years, is all this team really would need in theory. But um, again, you know, he obviously, you know, it's funny, you know, if you, if you look at Harden from his MVP season, 2018 versus now, he does look quite different. I mean, I mean, Harden even three years ago was, was pretty chiseled. Um, His, his body does look different. Now you mentioned the hamstrings. Uh, he's in his um, begin, you know, coming up on his mid thirties. Thirty two. So thirty two. Okay, right. So, so I mean, you know, it's fair to point all these things out. But um, I, I've always felt his game will age well. I mean, he's never been uh, an explosive vertical athlete. He's unbelievably smart, and uh, you know, I, I expect that uh, we will continue to see great efforts like we did last night. What, what is your feeling? It's hard. I couldn't really tell you the exact reason he, he has been inconsistent this year. Um, my initial gut read was the hamstring is a really big deal. Um, I know in, in, as a pickup player and you've, you've dealt with hamstring issues, right? Is does when you pull it, do you start to worry about pulling it again? How long does it take till you start to trust it? Yeah, I've had I've had my fair share of hamstring issues. The thing about hamstring issues is they linger. So you know you, you're you're you think that you're 100, percent and then you kind of feel that tweak. Um, it, it can it can tighten up on you at a moment's notice. But you know, I mean, this is going back to last May. That's six seven months ago. I I think everyone fully expected him to be healthy by now if he's not then that's surprising he for the record but, he was asked this a few days ago and he was emphatic he said nah it's not still an issue like the hamstring is 100 percent, and that's when he admitted that he is struggling to find his role when he's going to pass when he's going to shoot yeah you know it's funny uh, one thing I'm, I'm sure you've noticed this as well is is he he doesn't really ever um fully explode Right. It's like if he loses the ball and the ball is loose, he's not going to make that kind of like explosive movement towards the ball. That was his viral uh, moment in Detroit, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you see you've even seen it since then. And I feel like even when he gets to the rim, um, he he's not he's not just kind of going up with with full confidence. So I don't know if, if that's the hamstring or if it's just uh, him getting his legs underneath them or, or what exactly. But, you know, 
you just have to think that by May and June that he'll be back. And if he is, then you know that that changes everything. If you look at his games, his stat lines on a nightly basis, there's quite a bit of uh, up and down, like 36 points, 14 points, 20 points, 12 points, 34 points. But if you look at it, if you zoom out, he has trended up over the last month. I think that's how Steve Nash put it. Clearly, he's made progress over the last month. And that's where you're seeing, you know, 29 points, 28 points, 39 points, 36 points. And of course, the most recent game, 34 points. Do you see a trend? Do you think like maybe conditioning was an issue? If you're rehabbing, did he, you know, I think Mark Stein at one point said his people wonder or worry that his lifestyle and habits uh, catches up with him after he's had an injury and he's another year older. Do you think it could be something like that? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's likely not one thing. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, the, the nets, it's like Harden's Harden's entire, the, the concept of Harden is that he can pretty much beat one man off the dribble anyone. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he can get into the lane. He he's an incredible passer. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, you've definitely seen this year where he hasn't been able to get the step on a defender and it's, it's, you're watching it and you're like, Oh, I, I haven't seen that before. Right. He usually, he usually can kind of figure it out the combination of the step back and the ability to get in the lane. And that does seem somewhat compromised. Um, but I, I just feel like, you know, this is a guy who deserves the benefit of the doubt. Um, he's still young. He hasn't had an injury that, you know, is um, that, 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 that players often don't come back from. So, so I just feel like, you know, this was a guy, if you remember, I mean, last year after the trade from Houston, we were talking about him as a possible MVP. I mean, he was the only guy on the Nets that could stay healthy. Durant yeah. and Kyrie were out every other game. He was kind of carrying the team. People were raving about him, his leadership. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting that level of play to come back o- over the course of the season. I mean, this is, you know, this was eight months ago. So I, I don't see why we should expect him to, you know, trail off. Yeah, I, I think that's a good place for us to wrap. I, I wanted to ask you about his contract, but that's perfect to talk about for a future pod because he is headed for unrestricted free agency. It will be interesting to see if there's any hesitation at all on the Nets to offer what could be like a record-breaking $270 million extension. Um, so no doubt things like that are top of his mind. It's funny they that he and a couple other players have said, oh, I don't want to focus on the contract. I'm just going to focus on the, the wins this year, which does the exact opposite because now you're headed for unrestricted free agency and you're going to find your name in rumors all year long. I know Daryl Morey has already been linked to looking to potentially sign and trade for Harden next year. So plenty of things to, to think about for, for the next time that we, uh, we sync up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I'm sh- I'm sure that um, however the season plays out, will uh, play into um, 
all of the all of the things you're mentioning his hardens future um there's there's so many uh wrinkles that are yet to be developed and uh we'll just see where it goes all right greg thanks so much for joining on our debut episode and we'll definitely have to get you back on here again thanks dave i appreciate it